My name is Beck. I'm the co-host of Not Superwoman podcast and great-granddaughter of Irish, American and Italian immigrants and I'm grateful to call Australia home. I acknowledge the Bundjalung people of the northern coast of Australia of which this podcast is recorded today. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I recognise their connection to country and their role in caring for and maintaining country over thousands of years. May their strength and wisdom be with us today. And welcome back to Season 3 of Not Super Woman. We're back. We're back. We're back, baby. I never thought we'd make it to Season 3, so this is an exciting time. I did have you questioning me last week saying, how much longer are we going to do this for? I'm like, we're in it forever. Yeah, I think exactly my phrasing was, so how many seasons are we giving this? (laughs) And you're like, what do you mean? Where are you going with this? Yeah, I know. But I feel like we're going to slowly, each season we're going to slowly even more find our feet. We're still finding our footing. Guys, bear with us. This is is, um, a labour of love and a bit of a side hustle and um, we are learning a lot as we go. So you're very kind to whoever listens that sits with us and fumble, <laughs> fumbles through our um, our mistakes with us. But anyway, we're getting there, slowly but surely. I feel like you seem like your health is a lot better. Uh, yes, after our recap and ramble the other week, we pretty much our whole family got struck down with the flu and we're still, yeah, we're, we're nearly there. It's just amazing how much it knocks you about and... For example, it's been like a solid two weeks and our energy levels, like the kids are still falling asleep in the afternoons and stuff just because they're just so wrecked. But we're getting there. And I do that because I'm nearly 40. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone loves a nana nap. Um, I know. If only I could have a nana nap today. But nope, I'm off to the um, parent information night. So that's not happening. Um, And I'm in a mixer, small mug. (laughs) Well, I do some light gardening. Oh, that sounds very wholesome. I'm so wholesome. I just feel like, you know what, like even though you're down health-wise, I don't want to gloat, but I feel like I just am coming off the back of a really good wedding on the weekend. Oh, that's good. And you know, like my mantra, you're only as good as your last wedding. <laughs> well, you're in good stead then. <laughs> so I'm, I'm feeling good. So now, who are we chatting about? What interview are we bringing what are we doing? Well, as the sun is shining in an, in an ode to summer, we um, are very excited to be talking to Caroline Clements and Dylan Sajek Reardon, auth- co-authors um, of Places We Swim, which is a stunning coffee table book series. And um, they are interesting and like so good to talk to because it's our first time talking to a husband and wife duo. Um, they are partners in work and partners in life and they've got their little one, Leo. And they, um, Zoe and I bumped into them when we were both away over the summer holidays and it, it triggered the thought about how we had road tripped. We both had found like it fulfilling, enjoyable, but also challenging and like being in the car with your family and, you know, having those tense kind of only – that only happens in cars like, you know, when you get lost and someone blames someone for the GPS. I mean, when I'm talking about someone. I'm actually genuinely surprised I'm not divorced. <laughs> <laughs> After your big road trip. I know. Well, when we – yeah, but when we say big, like you look at what Dylan and Caroline have just accomplished – going around Australia and then in turn California. Yes. I drove 18 hours to northern New South Wales. Like, really? No. <laughs> and you're, was- and you're, you're feeling lucky you're not divorced. I must say, I, um, yeah, I'm not too dissimilar in that it was challenging. I feel like we rushed ours. We were in – we packed too much into summer and we sort of were overdoing it. But it was really – gorgeous to be able to stop and see all these places that we would never have otherwise seen and um and so when we bumped into them it was great because we were like oh it'd be really fun to talk to them about the relationship dynamic but then also fascinating about how they've merged both of their um career backgrounds and interests into 
projects that they do together. And I even there was a moment in the interview where Dylan referred to um, a comment about how you spend a lot of time as partners, um, you know, you can grow apart. And if you don't take a vested interest in trying to do something together that you're both interested in, it can be really easy to like say tag team children in regards to like, oh, will you take them to soccer and I'll take them to basketball and like divide and conquer. And then all of a sudden you're in your grind, you're divide and conquering and then you're not actually doing bonding over anything outside of the children. Um, so I thought that was a really beautiful, um, you know, acknowledgement to the fact that they, yes, whilst they're racing of raising a family and they are, um, you know, working and earning a career, they've combined it with something that they both love, which is the outdoors and swimming. So, um, yeah, it was really good to talk to them. And I know you, you got a lot out of it. I just felt like it was you know, my takeaways from it was that they're obviously a great team. Like you can't do something like that unless you can kind of balance each other out. Like imagine working and living with your partner every single day in close proximity. Yeah. No, I don't ever want to imagine that. No, and I don't. But, but it works. It does. Like you, you find your flow and I think they both have a great sense of humour and – They've got these, you know, amazing stories and experiences to share because I think swimming, you know, it's not just jumping in a river, cooling down. It's such, well, you know, whether that be beaches, watering holes, lakes, hot rivers, springs. you know, hot springs. God, I love the hot springs. You know, there's so much more to just cooling down. It's like a nostalgic part of what it is to be an Australian and I guess in turn a Californian. Yes, yeah, yeah, it, it's an experience and it, like you it's a it's an experience that you don't need to like pay for or coordinate like it's just something that you can enjoy and and have such a um yeah, in enjoyable enjoyable and almost like a relief when you dive into cool water Mm, and and explore explore together i like to use the word weightless (laughs) (laughs) i don't often feel that feeling (laughs) (laughs) that's why you submerge yourself in water Exactly. Anyway, sorry, off track, off track. Off track. But, um, no, they, it, it was great because we got to talk to them about the relationship side and then we got to talk to them about their favourite, um, you know, experiences of both uh, Australia, Sydney and California because they've done three books. California is on pre-order in Australia and is due to come out. Um, uh, but they, yeah, really, really just nice to meet people and especially a couple that have thought outside the box and gone out of their own like um, they tell us a story about how Places We Swim started and they created that just between the two of them you know one day having a chat while they're on their ventures and um, and went for it pitched it to a publisher and and then here we are three books later and and a little boy and they're still um Together, yeah, together. <laughs> and no, okay, don't don't give too much away. We'll I won't get on with it. <laughs> we welcome Caroline and Dylan. Welcome to season three of Not Super Woman. We are very very excited to have the incredibly clever and gracious Caroline Clements. And you may know Caroline; she is. Been the founding editor of Broadsheet, which is a news and media lifestyle outlet. Um, and then uh, you do editor for Rush Home magazine. And then you actually have your own incredible book series uh, called Places We Swim, uh, Australia, Places We Swim, Sydney, and soon to be Places We Swim, California. And we've got Dylan Sightcheck Reardon. You are incredible and, again, also very gracious that you've let us intervene on your family holiday to have a chat to you today. But you co-write and author with Caroline Your Places We Swim series. You and you're quite, you've got an amazing background the way that you two intertwine. You were previously an environmental scientist, you, you say inactive now, but, um, and video um, producer and photographer. And you've also co written gardening books for the Little Veggie Batch Company as well. I mean, 
the two of you together combined, it does seem to make sense with Caroline's experiences and with yours, how you came together to collaborate on such a creative concept. We are so excited that you have joined us and we have actually intruded on Caroline's whole and, and her husband, Dylan. We can't forget Dylan. Um, we're going to roll through and have a chat to both Dylan and Caroline. But welcome. Thanks, girls. <laughs> nice to yeah. be here. We, if you hear birds chirping in the background, it's because we are, we've intruded on Caroline and Dylan's family holiday and um, we are in currently the surrounds of Mullumbimby or Mullumbimby. I don't know. I don't know. You. It is really stunning. I'm looking out and it's... It's exquisite. Chosen a great spot. For it's lush. Yeah. I know. It's very serene, calming. In fact, it was actually quite nice to leave our families and drive an hour and a half to be here. Yeah, Jolly's yeah. like, where are you going? I'm like, somewhere in the hinterland. I may not come back. <laughs> yeah, no. We just need to slide in a beach swim and a lunch and then make our way back slowly. Yeah, but anyway, slowly, slowly. as we digress. <laughs> Um, but we are so excited to sit down. We bumped into Caroline on the beach and it was quite ironic because, um, and Dylan and their beautiful boy, Leo. But when I saw you and we were chatting, uh, I knew that you guys were the authors and creatives, creators of the Places We Swim series. And, um, and then I went back to the coffee table at our place in, we've got a holiday apartment in Yamba in New South Wales. And your book was on our coffee table. And I just thought, oh my God, this is... This is a moment, a light moment where it was like, this is so, your coffee table series is so iconic Australia and it's so, I guess, in line with summer at the moment and Zoe and I were talking and we were just like, what an amazing opportunity to chat to you about it because then further to this, Zoe and I both individually, with Zoe, the husband, Charlie, me with my husband, Tom and kids in tow, we road tripped here and we were just laughing and trying to work out the dynamics of what cruising coast to coast and being a couple and then a young family is like and the realities of creating such a, an amazing book series. Well, all while living together in a in a, in a camper I wanted van. to say enclosed, confined space. Like, yeah. that's massive. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, – Dylan and I had travelled a lot together as a couple in a van. Like, we sort of – he when I met him, he, he had this, like, old troop carrier that, like, he slept in on this bed in the back. It was, like, super simple. There was, like, the car had – no working speedometer, like no petrol gauge. It was like bare bones. And we did a lot of weekends away in that. And then we bought a camper van and did wrote places we swim while travelling around the country and sort of got into our groove as a couple in the car. Yeah. Um, and then more recently have added Leo to the mix and did a big trip around the US or mostly just California for our third book. Um, which was a whole new dynamic. This is fascinating. So, because I really want to understand, when I was reading through your book, I was just like, I want to go back to, again, I always get really fascinated by how childhood really um, shapes the adult. And I was like, this is like, you guys quit your jobs and, you know, sort of, I guess you've always, you're a creative, but a freelancer too. And I know it's not a traditional nine to five, but you went, and quit your job and then went on this grand adventure, pitched this project, got the green light for this project. And I was just sort of like, where did that start? Where was the seed for that? Did you have an adventurous childhood? Is this stuff that you did growing up? Good question. Um, I didn't have a very adventurous childhood at all, actually. Like, we never even camped with my family. My family were like, I think we would holiday, like, at, at beaches, like, and go to, I don't know, yeah, go down the coast and... But we were never campers. And so I think that um, as an adult, I was intrigued by that in mm. other people. And certainly Dylan did grow up doing a lot of that um, and like lived in Yosemite and like like lived out of his car when he was in his, like when he left school. And, you know, like there's like these kind of like American tropes that people do. And he kind of like lived this um, lo-fi kind of life for a while, I think, and yeah, I mean, so it was sort of his, in, like, he sort of led the charge in a way in that, because it was yeah. a, a known to him, but an, an exciting unknown for you. Yeah, like, I think um, as an adult, like, I I guess more proactively camped and went, like, on road trips and stuff, but he had this car, so we could go out and go away on weekends and sleep in the car, and that was, like, pretty exciting, and then I got a real taste for it, um, and so we bought this camper van, and yeah, d- just did a lot more of that. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't something that I had done a lot of as a child. So it was almost like the reverse of like what you what you know. It was like what you don't know, and that intrigue around that. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. 
Can you tell us a bit about you, Dylan and your journey to date and especially childhood, Dylan? Let's oh, start there. Sorry, Let's the go back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. My mother's warm and brave. <laughs> uh, I grew up in New Mexico, so in the southwest US, uh, in a small town called Silver City. And yeah, just grew up always outside, uh, really beautiful part of the U.S. and kind of remote mountains and rivers and yeah, hiking and fishing and climbing and oh, um, really idyllic. nice place. Yeah. It was that or like methamphetamines. <laughs> it was a good... I'm I, glad I'm, you I'm, I'm chose. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I found the right path for myself. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I always, always grew up outside and really enjoying the outdoors, but I mean, so deeply landlocked. Um, so it was more hot springs and rivers and, and lakes and things that I grew up around. And, yeah, started traveling kind of in the beginning of uni and ended up in South America and met some really great people from Melbourne uh, and became good friends with one guy in particular and we traveled around South America together and he said, I think you'd really enjoy Australia, I think you'd enjoy Melbourne, come and visit me, uh, you could stay with my family. Uh, and so, yeah, six months later, I kind of took time off of uni and came to visit my friend, ended up moving in with his parents. He and his brother moved out, and then I was still <laughs> living with his parents. Oh, my God, that is uh, hilarious. The surrogate son. I yeah. love that. Uh, and this, you know, this family is amazing. They know who they, they, know who they are. Um, but, you know, I think there is, seems to be a tradition among Australians of people go on long journeys and you kind of reciprocate the... Uh, you know, the hospitality um, and his family in particular, you know, they were just so happy to have me and it was like another, another home for me, another family for me. And yeah, I thought I'd be in Australia for three months and it turned to six months, turned to a year and then I ran out of a visa, went traveling, came back, you know, sort of used every visa I could and then went, went back to the States and finished uni and worked as an environmental scientist for a while doing research and yeah, but I always thought I'd come back to Australia, I had such a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, in those early days and, and I thought oh I'll come back when I don't have you need to finish I don't have things hang over and it'll be open-ended um, and it yeah, came back in 2012 and connected it with Little Veggie Patch Co uh, a good friend of mine Matt uh, had started that company and it's funny how you're kind of I never had a big plan um, and yeah life just became Australia and had so many opportunities and Started, so you started, were freelancing while you were here? You know, I started, so I'm from New Mexico and uh, the first time I came to Australia, this was like before Breaking Bad and people didn't know where New Mexico was and so they said, oh, you're Mexican, you, you do landscaping. Um, so I started doing landscaping when I first came out. And then, um, so when I came back and I worked at Veggie Patch, um, that was gardening and landscaping and um, and then became photography and, and video and, and then writing books together. So it kind of evolved organically that set of skills. I'd always been interested in photography and videography. And, um, and then when that ended, uh, around when I met Caroline, I started freelancing and, and doing freelance photo and video work. And then, so Caroline, can you tell us about where you and Dylan, well, actually, let's talk about what you studied and, and sort of your career path to mm -hmm. that point, because I think it coincides obviously really nicely with the fact that you've, you've merged your life as uh, a working adult as to your life with a family and a lifestyle. And I find it quite intriguing as to how you were able and capable to do merge the two together. Mm. So you, um, as we mentioned, like you were founding editor at Broadsheet. Did you, what did you study at uni? Yeah, so I did an arts degree um, to start with and I think that was straight out of school and I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and actually, I met Zoe in one of my first jobs and I was working in production at a graphic design my studio. My fondest memories. <laughs> yeah. That was a real heyday I of Marilyn and Sons. That was so fun. Wasn't it? Were you a production yeah, I was, coordinator? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, God, that would have been a fun role. It was. It was with those guys. Because it was, yeah, like yeah. the energy that I used to kind of get coming into that office, it was just fun. Yeah. So we used to do a lot of Zoe shoots. Oh, and um, yeah. 
Dad, Remember the one at the race calls track? calls it artistic indulgence. <laughs> <laughs> it, often, well, it often comes yeah. up on this podcast and I'm always like, is Dad <laughs> listening? But, God, that racetrack shoot was that insane. That was amazing, Yeah. We'll have to flash back some photos yeah, of this. Yeah, there were some, yeah, they're pretty oh, racy they shots. They were stunning. Yeah. But I was always interested in working in, I think, in magazines, really. Um, and so I was sort of doing some freelance writing and doing odd jobs. And then I went back and studied um, professional writing Mm. and then really kind of like was sort of pushing forward on that stuff. And I think I just sort of – I didn't have a lot of experience. I'd done a few internships. I'd spent a bit of time in New York doing an internship there and um, I was just hustling to kind of get get experience. And then I kind of talked my way into this um, role at Broadsheet when it was like in its – beginnings and it was just the publisher Nick and I just thought I yeah I, I didn't have an experience he just took Gave a chance a on me and then it turned into this great thing that we all needed and still love and is such a humming business that people like oh, can't even remember it's you know, a not having when you get it now. into totally. your email inbox yeah, totally. and you know it comes up on Instagram and things I love it yeah but I mean I know I was there like at, at the beginning and, and long ago now, like um, I, I've moved into different roles there, but um, you know, it's actually like taken on a whole new life since I was there, and it's like, yeah. So, do you still contribute? To um, I've worked on projects with them there. So, I worked. I've worked on some books, and the last project was actually a travel book. So, they have done cookbooks, which I've which I've worked on in the past, and then um, they did their first travel book last year, um, yep. called Travels, and I worked on that with them, which was oh, great. great. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, and yeah. it's just kind of exciting, I guess. Like, you know, things fall in your lap and people come to you with ideas yeah. and you can say, yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess not be tied down. How do you – I'm just – we're going a little bit off the track here, but how do you kind of work out what you're going to take and what you're not and how much is too much? With freelance work? Yes. Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like um, – you have to be a little bit okay with sometimes not having a lot on your plate and then I feel like I'm often just try and say yes to everything which isn't always the best approach because then sometimes you're a bit overwhelmed but I found as a parent and I I think like I was Dylan's always been a freelancer he's almost like never worked in a business um and has always loved that you know style of working um just the freedom that it gives him Mm. and I think when you're thinking about being a parent that does seem like a lot yeah, a lot more f- free, you know, to sort of like make your own schedule. And so I kind of built that into my working life a couple of years before we had Leo. Um, and it also allowed us to do the books when we wanted to and go travelling and things like that. Um, so, yeah. It's funny that answer because um, when you say that, I thought the word that was going to come out of your mouth was daunting. But then it's, it goes to show your nature in that a lot of people would probably find the idea of of going job to job and trying to figure out what's next daunting but you're I think in line with your adventurous side as a couple um using the word free like is such a um an interesting I I think telling thing to the fact that you give it a go you know well it isn't not daunting though I think it is still daunting and I think that you just have to be more comfortable with like sometimes not having a lot on your plate and then other times being a little bit overwhelmed and you just get used to that, those yep. sort of ebbs and flows of, yeah. Like certainly during COVID, like it was pretty, like freelance, right, especially in like the travel kind of, like that wasn't, there was well, that would have dried work. up. Yeah. So. <laughs> could, well, I, yeah, but I guess then, you know, you start to look at your own like back garden, you know, yeah. you know, like in terms of, you know, you can travel within Australia, I guess, explore where you live. Mm. Like, yes, you can't go overseas, but you could go to, well, you could really only go Couldn't. five kilometres too far <laughs> in Melbourne. <laughs> so you'd be Back going then. to the Yarra. <laughs> but I don't know, it does make you, I guess, start to think about things in a different way. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and be a tourist where you live. Totally, yeah. And we definitely did that with our second book, with the Sydney book. We sort of moved to Sydney and we're like, oh, this is a total swimming city. Like, we can write a book about this place and explore it at the same time. So that was like, that was a great way to do that book. Like, we hadn't, we didn't know Sydney like we knew not that like Melbourne was a big feature of the first book, but like we, um, yeah, we really got to explore it and understand and, and treat it like we were like holidaying in our yes. home, which yeah. was, which a lot of people, that's what sort of why we made the book for Sydney, because a lot of people just stay in their little nook. Yes. Um, because Sydney is so spread out and there's these kind of little 
regions. I think like often you don't go north or you don't go west, and um, so the book really that book really um, shines a light on just exploring within yeah two hours of the city. It's so like it's so true, and like what I find interesting since like even doing this road trip, and I went on my own on this surf camp in Molly Mook in New South Wales, and was fortunate enough to be able to drive that coast as well. And I'm like, wow, there's just so much uh, hidden gems, so much unknown. And, like, you just sometimes don't realise pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and your normal routine. And, like, you know, outside of the normal, if you're fortunate enough to be able to go on holidays, like, outside of that normal rhythm of a holiday, there's so much to be discovered. There is. Which is what, I mean, obviously your incredible book series uncovers. Um, and what I'm fascinated by is how did you and Dylan even meet? Ah, well, we actually met when I was working at Broadsheet and um, he is also a videographer and a photographer. So he was pitching on a job and that's how we met actually. He'd worked on some books as well. So we had this, we'd both been working on books, which is kind of like the first conversation we had, which is he'd worked um, on some books with Little Veggie Patch Co and I'd been working on some books with Broadsheet. And then I think we sort of just hit it off on that and then... Um, it went from there. Went from there, yeah. Dylan, you and Caroline have met and created a, a dynamic where you have intertwined both of your career experiences. I mean, the fact that even you started out studying and doing environmental science, you grew up in in the like enjoying and you know the environment and hiking and exp- being outdoorsy. She said that Caroline did refer to the fact that you. Um, were more experienced in that regard when it came to the seed of understanding how Places We Swim started and going on a big grand adventure, that she didn't camp and as much as you had previously. But I find it fascinating that the two of you, through your freelancing and then working experiences, merged both of your career experience and lifestyle passions and created this project. Was it a conversation that started for you between the two of you that was the seed that started it? That, that started Places We Swim or that started our relationship? Both. Yeah. Let's start with. Uh, I mean, I think that our, like, our sort of initial attraction you know it was always around let's let's do things you know let's do activities together let's go swimming let's go surfing let's go camping um and i mean if, even if she she says she wasn't experienced in camping she was always very willing yes um, and and really enthusiastic and really easy to to travel with and um so i think that you know from the beginning that's always been central to our relationship was traveling and we would I had this terrible old um, Toyota troop carrier that was like, I mean, people have them now and they must be $100,000, but this thing had been done a couple laps around Australia. It was rusty. My friend passed it on to me that had lived up in Darwin and um, it was like all street cred and no, <laughs> and no, and no function. Um, but she would come and we, and we just like go down the coast and surf and, and sleep in the back of that on the weekends. And um, yeah, I think we just started, it was really easy to fall into exploring and adventuring together uh, and yeah and then I guess probably a year two years into our relationship we started thinking about trips we wanted to do uh, and then that's probably where our professional hats started mm. coming in where mm. we were thinking well we don't want to just want to travel we want to do something or interview people or, or you know be productive in some way because you know, when you travel for a long time, you, you kind of feel like you're just consuming or you're just observing and you're not really participating. So mm. did you have a lot of friends ring and ask you for tips on itineraries? Like when they were going away, did they ring and say, you guys have done this? Have you got tips for me here? Or Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that was like, yeah, probably um, definitely, you know, I feel like Caroline having had that experience at Broadsheet has become a bit of a, you know, not an authority, but um, a trusted source for, mm-hmm. for people, particularly with food and, and travel and um, culture. And so, yeah, we started doing these trips up and down the East Coast and we'd post some pictures and friends would say, oh, cool, I'm going up the East Coast or, you know, I'm, I'm going down South for four days. What should we do? Uh, so that was definitely like, oh, okay, people are interested in, in these things that we enjoy doing. Uh, and then we thought, oh, we want to do a trip around Australia. What can we do? And, and at first we thought, oh, we'll have um, 
cups of tea with people <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, and we'll interview them. I'm like, I think we could do that. Um, and then we realized that like what we'd been doing was, was swimming and, um, you know, kind of everything that we plan our trips around is like going to a beach or going to a waterfall or just being near water. Uh, and we thought, oh, well, maybe we can kind of document swimming holds as we, as we travel and, Caroline, you talk about how sort of it was quite natural for Dylan because he'd had a period of his life where he'd been quite um, sort of free and flexible in camper vans and travel life. Um, was that what connected you to to go on the adventure? Like, what was the seed for places we swim? Like, how did that originally conversation start between the two of you? We were applying for his visa here, um, and in the meantime, we wanted just to do some travel together because, like, early in our relationship, and we're like, let's go and do some travel. And we talked about Australia, but then we actually thought, no, let's go like on a surf trip to Indonesia and Sri Lanka, and we did that. But the um, there was one like limiting element which was that if his visa came through at any point you actually have to return to Australia and it it did come through sort of about three months into the trip so we did have to come back but meanwhile we'd like taken all this time off work we'd quit our jobs we were like oh okay what are we what are we doing now we're back we got the visa and now our trip's sort of been kind of chopped in half and then we'd kind of had this harebrained idea about doing this place as we swim it wasn't even called Place We Swim at the time. We'd just sort of been documenting our local travels and friends would ask us about things. We used to do these summer road trips and we'd like have Christmas with Cece's family in Victoria and then we'd go up the East Coast and we had it. we'd often end up in Yambo where our friend is from. And Yeah, we had this old troopy and of course like totally blew up on the highway <laughs> and we ended up in this town and on the Hume called Jujiong. I love that town. It's my favourite. And when have you been there? Every anyway. year. Anyway, keep going. Continue. Sorry, sorry moving on. <laughs> all these we, secrets. We never would have been there otherwise, but that, we got towed there and it was that period between Christmas and New Year's when just nothing is open, like no mechanic. You're not, and like the best advice for anybody doing a road trip in Australia is get um, RACV, NRMA, total cover. Nobody pays me to do this. Uh, like the they amount the amount of money that we have cost that insurance company is like we've been towed all around and so it, we broke down there was no mechanics so they had to put us up in a motel and we ended up in this like classic old motel in Jujiang and we were like floating around in the pool with a flamingo and took a picture and and then we went for a walk you know it's like this t- unexpected downtime and we're like oh maybe it's places we swim Maybe that's what it is. I'm oh. like, you know, and the, that was the very first photo that we ever posted with Cece floating on this flamingo in the, the pool in Jujiang. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of the auspicious beginning of. I, I love, love that. Yeah, I love that so, so much. I love that, that the places we swim and the concept came from such a, um, a natural circumstance in that inspired by a, a quiet moment that, you know, was unplanned in a way. And, and and I think we touched on with Caroline, but it started with that photo going on to Instagram and, and an Instagram account that then you guys led to deciding to further it into pitching it as a, a book. That's right. Yeah. 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 And that's when we had the conversation about what can we do while we're traveling? We want to do these trips. And um, yeah, pitched it to, um, to our publisher, Hardy Grant. We, thought, we actually had not, we thought there's no way they let us do this and they did. So... Oh, so fascinating because then we were, we were talking about slightly before um, we were rec- recording this with you um, that about did they, do, when you get the green light from a publisher, do then they fund your travels or how does that all work? Because yeah. are you limited? Do you have to go really on a confined budget? Like where do you start? Yeah, it's, it's a great question about the publishing industry because it's kind of an unknown and I think people imagine that you just get this big check to go out and write a book. Um, That's which, what I was imagining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which sounds lovely. We should write it. You get an advance, which you sort of is like kind of, you know, borrowing from your future earnings, um, and which is very small when you're a first-time uh, author. Um, and then maybe you get a little bit of a travel budget. But mostly we were doing it, you know, the smell of an oily rag. Like we were just like living in the car, travelling in the back of this. Yeah, what was Dylan's troopy? And then it, we eventually had to take that to the junk. So if you're cooking upgrade. and you're kind of, did you do an Excel spreadsheet and work out like <laughs> petrol prices? No, we're not Excel people. Yeah. Oh, I wish I was. No, I'm not either. <laughs> um, no. no, we're more like a little bit fly by the seat of 
our pants. But also I think we're like quite um, budget conscious and like we would, I don't know, you just know how much you need and you don't need a lot and you learn to live pretty simply. Yeah. Um, so we had like a little gas burner that we'd pull out of the car to cook. I mean, you're eating like pretty simply. You're not, it's like one pot meals. Yep. Um, and, and at the time we didn't have, we now in our van have a fridge, which is like a total upgrade from what we started with, which was like an esky that my mum, like a cooler bag. She was like, we were leaving. She's like, do you want this? And I'm like, what? She's like, don't you need to have some food in the car? And we're like, oh, okay. And so then the next few months was like us, like living out of this cooler bag that like everything was just like wet and floating. <laughs> yes. Like, we didn't eat cheese for like... I hate that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> yeah, Like it just like you'd get like a bag of ice and it would just melt. And um, so, yeah, not a lot of fresh food to start with. But then now that we've got like a much more upgraded vehicle and like fridge, you can buy anything you need and put it in the fridge and like there's a stove in that in our car that we have now. And um, It's a luxury vehicle. Totally. Like, quite in, nice. And in the US we had a bathroom in the car. Like it was a, it was like yeah, a okay. tiny home, but that's a whole other thing. But um, an American car is like basically a tiny home on wheels. Yeah. So gosh. that's from our yeah, latest trip that we did last year. So um, you, you start on a shoestring budget and you made do as you went. And then at what point – like, and do you have to document it and pass it back to the publisher as you go or is it something that you collate and hand in at the very end? How did that work? They want to see snippets as you go um, just to know that sort of the kind of how you're going. To know and that you just haven't you, left. Yeah, especially <laughs> as when you're doing your first book. Now they're like a lot more like, hey, there's the deadline, just come come to us when you've got the finished book. Yep. But because um, I sort of know what, what we're capable of, I guess, but... Yeah, there were some deadlines that we had to hit and I think that's quite daunting, even just the idea of like trying to edit photos when you're driving through like back roads with dirt everywhere and you're like, don't have any reception for And now you've and thrown a child into that mix, like that gives me anxiety. Yes. yes. And yes, you know what, to- we didn't think about it enough, I think, with this latest trip. We were like, that'll be fun, it'll be the trip, you know, it'll be such a memorable family trip and it was, but it was also so much harder yes. yeah, having this unknown other person. Oh, I can imagine. I really want to like get into the nitty gritty of that because I just feel like that'd be two, as you've already sort of touched on, but two totally different experiences. Yeah. The places we swim Australia, which was pre-kids. Yeah. um, Versus your up and coming book, Places We Swim California with your toddler. Yeah. Oh, like, can you talk us through like how it changed? Yeah. Well, I guess if you just think back to anything you did as a couple before, it was just like kind Mm. of a lot less. (laughs) organized in a good way and you were just spontaneous spontaneous and free um so we kind of knew there were going to be some constraints on how we operated and in a way it was a good because we couldn't just linger and spend time like just swimming around and having a great time together we were like we've got to hit these targets we've got to get to this place and then we've got to drive in his nap and get to this place and it had to be much more structured but with california we weren't driving around all australia so it was like the distances were a lot shorter which was great and California is so much more populated than Australia that we weren't ever far from a town we rarely didn't have reception um I think phone reception's just better everywhere else in the world than it is here in general. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have reception here today. Oh, but yeah, I know. It's, I think maybe <laughs> it yeah. is. It's thanks, I, Vodafone. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you then share up the driving? Normally, yes, um, but in America, uh, we had a twenty-four foot motorhome, like an old car that Dylan was like very unsure about me driving from the very first day he got in it and he was like I don't think you should drive this car and I was like okay cool okay I'm happy about that because he'd been familiar done sort of that sort of stuff before yeah yeah but not nothing that big I think even he was nervous but he was like let me take this one on and I was like because they do they've got those big motorhomes yeah they're huge like but then I sit in the passenger seat and like anything that needs done you know when you've got kids and like actually that's a big big job when oh, you're driving totally. and you're doing everything else like everyone's admin and everyone's snacks and everything so yeah and you're also I mean, I'm planning it but like you're probably yeah. navigating you know like there's yeah I actually don't like that job yeah, either I've been doing that nice. this whole road trip I know it's exhausting and then you totally like, nice yeah with the, the kids driver. in the background yeah going mom yeah. stop arguing yeah. you just add it and then I sometimes I'm like oh, I wish I could just be the driver but then Tom's driven most of our road trip 
um, or actually all of our road trip <laughs> and um, and I, he's so exhausted at the end of every drive yeah, yeah. that I'm like, oh no, I'll just sit in the front. Actually, I've got, yeah. I prefer to do the admin <clears throat> children. I think things can be a lot of stress around driving, and in America, the highways are full on, and people go so fast, and all these lanes merging, and I don't know. It just I was so glad I didn't have to do it, but um, normally, yeah, normally we share the driving. So what about the dynamic of being in such an enclosed space mm. with your child and your partner? I would actually go insane. Yeah. It's a real test of your patience and your um, self, I don't know, preservation in a way. Like you just have to try and be cool with being around everyone all the time, which is just not very natural. Like even mm. in your day-to-day life when you live – and we and Dylan and I work together a lot, but – you still have so much independence, like at mm. home. And, you know, your kids go to daycare and yes. you go and do your own thing and you do your own exercise and you see your friends and you do your own work and things. And then just it all being right up in your grill is, like, pretty full on. Mm. And that took a bit of getting used to, I think. I think Leo was so young, he was under two at the time. For him, I think that he just thought that was normal new life. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think for Dylan and I, we were like, well, there's a lot we didn't, anticipate here um but we can do it but like maybe we should have thought about a few of these things Dylan do you have a like a sort of an unspoken agreement of just moving on or is it silence for a few hours <laughs> you're just dead <laughs> silent they look at you and you're like <laughs> I think so. I mean I, like we you know every day is perfect <laughs> what Caroline is, is in the background <laughs> I think <laughs> No, we've we've fought in every way, you know. Like, is is sometimes we get over it. Sometimes we are put it to bed. Yeah, sometimes we're uh, bitter with each other. But I love that word, bitter. It's it's always like we always come back to each other. We always appreciate that we're on the same team. Yeah, and um, I think that's it. It's a team. mm, Like you know, you it's it's teamwork. Yeah, and the greater like knowing that the greater good of what you're doing is also for. Beyond the travelling is for the project, which you would be both so creatively invested in. I'm sure that that ends up overriding the tensions that might come with travelling and being in a van and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's always the same. You know, it's like we're hungry, we're tired. We're it's like life just rolls on. Most conflict, I think, is yeah. You know, and as a parent, like, well, okay, why is you know why is Leo bothered right now? Oh, he's hungry, he's tired, and so we're all kind of the same, yeah, operating on the same level. Hungry, tired, yeah. and then you have a meal, and you're like, "Oh, I, I love you." Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> have it's a coffee, angry. and I'm back. Yeah. Caroline, can you take us through some of the? Well, let's start with the low light, and then mm-hmm. a highlight, and and I'd love to know, like, in regards to the family dynamic, but then also in regards to travel, like your the surprises, the positive and surprises. So let's start with family dynamic. So low light, low highlight. Light, low light and highlight of the family dynamic. Okay, low light. I think you just get pushed to your limit a little bit, like when everyone's right there and there's just no – not that you need privacy. It's just you don't get a break. You don't yeah. get any of that solo time that I think is What's so important. going for a walk by yourself. Totally, yeah. And so you really have to make time for that. Um, and I think like a low light would be like you, you break down in like a town where there's like nothing and – it's like a public holiday and nothing's open and like you sort of sleeping on the side of a highway and you're like, is my child safe in this car? And yeah. they, you know, they are, but um, you just like feel like a bit of a homeless person. I think that that is, can weigh yes. you down. That can weigh you down a bit. Like mm. you just need a couple of wins and sometimes mm. you don't get any for a few days and it's just like, okay, now our mechanics telling us it was going to be like a half a day job and now it's like a three day job and we're like sitting around and we're like on this timeline to meet these deadlines and, I think those things start to weigh you down. But then you're like, but I'm also doing this amazing job and travelling with my family and we're in this crazy weird place. Like America can be pretty pretty weird as well. Like I think yeah. that we thought if we ever moved back to America, like if Dylan ever wanted to move back there, probably move to California. But actually we got this weird feeling. We were like, I think we've done our time here. Like <laughs> I don't know if this is for us. We're quite happy back home but, in Australia. And these are all these things that you never would have known unless you'd done this yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and then there's, like, the highlight times with the family dynamic are, like, you know, you've walked out to this beautiful swimming hole and it's, like, Wednesday in, like, the middle of, I don't know, 
August and you're like thinking about everyone back home and it's middle of winter yeah. and you're all like, got depression. Yes. Yeah, and you're like sitting winter on blues. this like amazing big granite rock like just sunbaking and eating picnic lunch and you're like this is a pretty good job yeah Yeah. yes yeah I I, like it's such a dichotomy isn't it like to manage because I know like referring to that needing it going for a walk or needing some space I actually find myself my nervous system um requires silence sometimes Mm. and if I don't if I if I'm fine I can actually can tell when I'm starting to physically max out because I'm like my body, my nervous system is like I just, I just need to not hear something for a minute. Yeah, and I can imagine that is hard to get in a camper van totally. together. Yes, yes. that's right. Because I, I think yeah. we kind of forget it's, it's a working trip. It's not it's a, a holiday. Trip. And I think what we realised on that is that it, it looks so fun from the outside, and it is. But also sometimes it's nice just to have work and holiday separate. Oh, really is. agreed. And I think moving forward, I would like to choose that. As we yeah. intervene on your family <laughs> As we're working on your holiday. No, this is really fun. No, and, um, kind, but let's be real. We're totally intruded, but this we will really make fun. it short and sweet. <laughs> no, this is like the first time we've said, like, well, this is, we're just going to have this week and we're not doing any work. And it's actually been so awesome. And I'm like, I think I just prefer that separation. And yeah, it true. Does like, I know I've found it takes a couple of days to actually relax mm. on a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it takes does. me three days. Charlie's like, you were really worked up, anxious. And I'm like, yeah, I just need to kind of work myself into yeah. it. Yeah. Unwind. All yes. This. And oh, it's yes. funny because it's uh, – I don't know what it's what the comparative would be on a road trip per se because, for example, we drove here over a few – like, say, four days um, and then – I still was quite worked up. It was the driving and the stopping and starting, the packing yeah. and unpacking that was making me quite anxious. Yeah. Do you find that you get to a place of calm and peace regardless of the fact that you're continually moving? Or no, is it just part of it? You just It's, it's the adventure side of it. I think, yeah, I mean... Living in a living in like the motorhome, like that was our home. So we felt like we always had everything with us. So it was wasn't a lot of packing and unpacking and things right. like that, which I think can be really stressful and just annoying. And you're just like always looking for stuff and like trying to fill bags and unpack them, and everything feels dirty. And um, yes. I mean, that's yes, not the low right line. Like we yes. basically washed all our clothes like in laundromats, like at late, like after Leo would go to bed, then we'd like pull up at a laundromat at like nine o'clock at night in like some suburban town in California and do our washing. And like that wasn't always like... So that's like a date for you guys. Yeah, that's, that's so <laughs> romantic. Um, but they're like some of the times you're like, oh yeah, that was um, not the best. But you know, you just like doing what you're doing. You yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, you... I think if you're working when you're travelling, you're just never quite unwinding in the same way that you are when you're completely relaxing. Holidaying. Yeah. 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 So, Which goes to your point. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I also, like, I can't complain about how amazing it is to also be able to do that job and, and um, yeah, and travel the world. And Well, it's just a reminder, I think, that no matter which way, like I always try to silver bullet solution everything. And there is no silver bullet to everything. Yeah. Like there's a double edge to everything and you've got to try and, Ta- like tackle any anything that you try to do as an individual or family I'm constantly being reminded when I'm talking to guests and stuff on this podcast like it's all a part of it the pros and the cons yeah and um, then when you look back on those things they all have a bit of meaning. a they all have meaning and they all like uh, so much like happier in retrospect you know you're like oh, even 100%. the lowlights are kind of turn into highlights and they're all funny stories when you laugh and, about yeah, yeah. it yeah. they're kind of almost just as memorable as like those really beautiful sunny days that you're swimming in this like idyllic location or something you know yeah it's like times that you had to do weird things dylan do you know the dr- destinations you're driving to where you're going or have you already found that information out or is it just through conversation through local communities probably like Maybe 50-50. Like yep. we, we always do a lot of research before we go um, and kind of have a long list. It might be kind of 300 places that we think could be excellent. Yeah. And, um, and then once we get there, we start asking people. You know, we'll, try and, we'll try not to ask them about the place, probably to say, hey, what's, you know, what's a great place nearby? And see yeah. if the same places come up. Um, and then depending on the kind of feeling we get from people, we might say, oh, hey, we've got this list of places where do you think about these spots um so 
Yeah, definitely a lot of con- like we're constantly checking in with people, yeah. and then you know, and when you get to a really good spot and there's other people there, you say, "Oh, this is amazing!" Like, is there anything else like this around here? Um, so we're always trying to like verify that this is a local spot, um, and, and people are willing to give up that information because I feel like people are quite possessive on their secret special spot. Yeah, well, they don't it's like they don't want to share it. Yes, yeah. Well, because they want it to be their haven, their you know private haven in or what have you. Do you find that people, when as you've met and spoken to people, you're trying to pull it out of them, or are they willing to share? Well, people are definitely protective, I yeah. would say, but it depends. You know, I, I think it depends on the area and the kind of spot. Yeah. Like, in general, like we try not to write about like a really small you know, remote swimming hole that, that doesn't have the capacity. Or, um, yes. We, we, we try and, like, we try and pick a place that's, like, the best of an area that really captures the spirit of that area but isn't, like, that vulnerable secret spot. Yeah. If, you know, there's a balance and, you know, they're... That they're, makes sense. So, and something I'd say the biggest thing in... In California, it was hot springs. Yeah. Uh, we know where wild hot springs are definitely a big part of the culture, and we always want to capture, like, what's the culture of this place? The Eastern Sierra, in particular, is all incredible hot springs, you know, for about 400 miles. And God, that sounds amazing. Mm. But I just never think about a hot spring. Yeah. And, but then, you know, it's amazing there. Like, you would be there a week, and all of a sudden, that would be your number one. You know, you just you get sucked into the. Well, culture, you fall in right? love yeah. with all these places, and and they're so different and diverse. Yeah. yeah. And and so I think to tell the story of California, you have to include that, but you have to be really sensitive because hot spring, wild hot springs are are a very sensitive environment, um, and they're easily overused, and people often drink at hot springs, and you know, they're disrespectful. So we had to find a, a line of like, okay, what are the places that are reasonably well known and you know, kind of accepted within the, the canon of this area. Um, but then also being really clear about writing, about how to be respectful and be respectful of locals and the landscape and the significance of these places. Um, so I think in the end, we didn't include a ton of hot springs. Um, and we went for more, um, you know, private springs that are maintained by owners and, you know, that are easier to... Yeah, to prevent damage. Yeah, I know because that's. I guess yeah. Now that you're saying it, you're putting a spotlight onto areas that are natural environments that you know maybe large. Um, you know, it's spotlighting it and creating a attraction, and and then having large you know amounts of people and so on to come and visit. I guess now that you're saying, of course, it makes sense to be considered about what you're spotlighting and then what you're going to be doing. And it wouldn't have the infrastructure around there to support all these people coming. Mm. Millions and millions. Millions, yes. (laughs) We're all going to flood it. (laughs) We're so influential. (laughs) Book Um, book my ticket to California to the hot springs. Um, And with that being said, what is your then being American... And, you know, growing up in New Mexico, the juxtaposition of places we swim, Australia and Sydney, what was that like for you experiencing that? And was there surprises of things that you had expected or not expected getting to know those coastal and scenic spots? Yeah, for sure. I I think, like, we have... We have a lot of ideas about like what Australia is and what Sydney is. Um, and I, I guess the reason that we do any of these projects is because we want to get to know these areas better. Yeah. Um, so we're coming at it from a place of like intense interest. Um, but the, I mean, the trip around Australia was like a total once in a lifetime opportunity. And, and we know a lot of people seem to do it when they're older and retired and, you know, but we wanted to do it while we could access things that maybe you wouldn't when you're in your 60s. Or a lot of families seem to take a year off as well and do a trip. Yes. Um, but, yeah, just the diversity is incredible, you know, and you can hear about it, you can see pictures, but actually experiencing it from, you know, talk about hot springs, like all, you know, there's a greater Artesian Basin in... Where is the, that? In <laughs> southern Queensland and 
and Northern Territory and South Australia. It's this incredible um, underwater thermal basin uh, that's like a third of Australia. And um, so you talk about hot springs, like there's hot springs scattered all across Central Australia. Um, An next and you, trip. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah, no, I, think, I didn't either. I think you don't – well, we forget Australia is so big and often – you know, I haven't explored a lot of Australia. Yeah. No, I mean, gosh, as far as I've gotten is New South Wales coast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's – yeah, like – still, still time. It's still yeah. time. You're young. <laughs> yeah. But, like, there is so much – you know, even just driving, um, you know, up the Sapphire Coast, mm. the beaches are phenomenal, but they are so – Rugged, untouched. Like there's not a soul on these beaches. Well, like you're there, and it's. I feel like scary. Victoria is more like that than Sapphire Coast is probably more accessible swimming wise than a lot of the Victorian beaches. Are so oh, Victorian beaches are extreme. Yeah, yeah, like some of them are pretty. I don't want to use the word brutal, but I'm not going to swim at a lot of those beaches. Well, yeah, it comes down to, um, I guess, safety and ability. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, there is a lot of, like, I mean, people love swimming, but swimming can be scary. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I'm thinking about going to, you know, some of those water holes that you might have mentioned in your books, and I'm like, God, I would not want to be the only person there in a hole that, how do you know the depth and what's in there? Yeah, (laughs) like, how did you guys know the boundaries of what was, like, you know... Not croc infested. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, once you cross, like, into that sort of rock territory <laughs> even though you know like where we are there's no saltwater crocodiles here like because you're far enough inland or you're up a steep waterfall so they can't get from the bottom to the top things like that yes it, st- it still feels eerie it's no, eerie you, that's you don't want to be eerie. you don't want to be there by yourself no way no, no. you want a couple other people up there and i mean you talk about like working with your partner some of the biggest like blow-ups we've had have, have been like me come on cc jump in the swimming hole i gotta take a picture you know and, and she's like there's crocodiles in there <laughs> and, you know and we know but the, you know the fear is real and oh. um yeah that's like occupational hazard i guess but i'm fascinated to know as well like how do you then simulate back home from these grand adventures mm, well that was the american one was the biggest like need for assimilation in a way even though you know the cultures aren't that different but I think just like having that freedom of being on the road and then being back home one thing is the this time that we got back we were coming back to our home that we'd lived in before so we were really coming home rather than I think in the past when we've been younger we've just like you know quit our jobs given up our rental home and and hit the road so so did you rent out your apartment when yeah. you traveled yes yes yeah um, so we were coming back to our home um, in Sydney and um, that felt really nice to have solid ground and we just like f- sort of fell in love with being like so grounded again and we were like, Leo, you can go back to childcare and um, we will I just resume normality. So and badly. God, I would have missed it. the rituals of the day-to-day. Like, yeah, you can be really freewheeling and, and travel and, and love it but also there was something like about normality that I really miss personally. And mm. so it was nice, so nice to be home. And routine. Routine. Sometimes yeah. you just love routine. Yeah, yeah feet on the ground. Making in, in a bed. familiar routine. Yeah. Just knowing what you're going to do that day and for the yep. next like seven or more, you know. Like, yeah. Mm. So two last questions is, um, do you have a, an idea between the two of you of another project and a grand adventure or what's next? Every time we finish a book, um, we say never again. Um, <laughs> but then like a couple of years, water under the bridge and we're like, that'd be fun. Um, yeah, we, this, I mean, this book comes out in April 2024. So it's still like our newest project for a while. Um, and then we work on other little bits and pieces with places we swim, but it's, we're actually looking forward to kind of going our own ways a little bit and yeah, regaining some of that independence again and I've gone Individual. back to study and Dylan does his own freelance work and then it's kind of nice at the end of the day just to like rejoin and be like, hey, how are you doing today? Instead of like, you know, having that person with you at every moment. Right? Yes. A little bit of mystery. Agreed. Totally. <laughs> in the relationship. Do you know what I feel like you, uh, well, like to be continued is that um, I found now that my children have entered the next stage, it's re-inspired this whole new 
invigoration for adventure again yeah. because I'm like, oh, I can, we can now go do this and this and we don't have to worry about nap time and, yeah. and you know, those sort of things. And they can stay up a bit later and blah, blah, blah. So as Leo gets older, you, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. But it is also so nice to, I guess, have your own identity separate of that of working together. Yeah. Because then you do get so many different people that you've met, different challenges that you can discuss yeah. together. Yeah. And it, I don't know, changes the dynamic a bit too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's nice to have some separation. But um, I mean, we'll always, I think, work on stuff and always have places we swim and probably do more books. And in the meantime, we've just done some fun little projects like we've collaborate on like a bag and beach bag and mat range with some friends and made some little t-shirts which I'm wearing right now oh awesome. good I might need a little yeah, t-shirt that up. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah doing some merch you know <laughs> some love I love, we love merch um and then yeah I think yeah I'm sure there'll be more books in the pipe we also wanted like um redo the Australia book and like update it a bit and do some more Australian travel yes so I'm sure that will happen so exciting. Well, I'm, I I'm, want to say, I think we've already sort of touched on it, but we always sort of finish off on a hindsight question. And I, um, I've curveballed you because I hadn't included it in our notes, but it is a bit of a reflection. Again, not all of our guests sort of love it because they consider it to be regrets, but I don't really see it that way. I see it as helpful advice for anyone that's sort of willing or in the position of, and I think of... Um, changing up their careers and, for example, you guys quitting your regular jobs to go try on an adventure, do you have a bit of a hindsight of giving advice on what you would have done differently or would guide someone who might be in that position now of going, I want to go do a really grand adventure and change, change up my career or life? Yeah, I think your life's always going to be there. You know, you can always put it on hold and come back to it and it's not going to nothing's gonna if you go and do a year away or want to go and do some travel for a few months I think not that we didn't have that we sort of had that philosophy I guess but um it's easy just to slip back into life and feel like things are too hard to plan and and then also I think like I'm now kind of like going down a little bit of a different career path studying psychology and it's something I've thought about for a long time and I think I was like oh my you know have I, am I over the hill with studying again? And, and in many ways, I do feel like that when I go to class with um, all these 18-year-olds. <laughs> but um, I was telling you guys before, you know, I found a handful of, like, mature-age students and um, we're having a great time, like, learning again. And I think it's never really too late to do any of those things. Um, I think a lot of people imagine they're going to do this big retirement trip like when they and do the Australia trip that we did. Yeah, the Grey Nomads. Yeah, and, and we found when we did it, which was six years ago, like there weren't a lot of young people doing it. I think there are a lot more now. And, th- you know, there's never a, a wrong time to do that. Like you don't have to wait till you're old. You can do it when you're young. You can do it with kids. Um, hopefully we will do more of that travel with with a family. Um yeah, so I think, yeah, don't, don't like, hold off. Brilliant. Love it. Great. I'm buying a van. <laughs> <laughs> She's gone camping. <laughs> no. Dylan, I wondered if you had a hindsight about intertwining, like, work with your passion. It's a big question. It is. Very profound. And take your time. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think, I mean, I mean, I think that ultimately, like, it's such a great thing working in something that you're passionate about. Yeah. I think that's... You know, the if, if, you, if you have an opportunity or if you're interested in something, like, take, take a chance and do it. Um, because, you know, the worst case scenario is you can always go back to what you're doing before, probably. I think also, like, working with your partner and sharing a project... You know, it's like parenting, you know, is... It's always better when you're doing it together. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think... If, if there's something that you and your partner connect on and something you want to do together, explore it. Because, like, we spend so much of our lives, like, growing apart. And, you know, and say with a kid, you, you do a lot of, like, I'll do this, you do this, we're handing off, and, you know, mm, and you can yes. grow apart or you, you're sort of having these parallel lives. Um, but having an opportunity to do things together where you're really focused on, on something together is is a really special thing. And... Yeah, for anyone that's considering it, I, I think it's it's always worth a try. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, well, then you're already in, you know, you're you're living that already. So you know, you know what you're going back to. 
Nothing's ever wasted. We learned that from one of our guests. An adventure. Well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm buying a van. <laughs> <laughs> I'm heading bush. No. <laughs> and if you realise at the end that you want to, you know. Go your separate you ways. Want, you want to do something else and that's, you know, that's also that's positive. That's fine too. Right? Yeah. No, Thank I you, love Dylan. that. That is brilliant advice. And very grateful that you've let us impinge on your family holiday and we'll let you return <laughs> to, to having holiday mode. Hopefully. Thank you for meeting us in this beautiful place and taking the time to chat with us. We've loved it. Thank you so much sharing with us and inspiring us. We're very, very grateful. So can't wait to see what's next and can't wait for Places We Swim California to come out April 2024 this year. Exciting. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Not Super Woman. You can... Find extra resources, links and information on our website, which is notsuper-woman.com. Is that a dash or a hyphen? A dash is a hyphen, Rash. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, and if you're enjoying what we're bringing, you can follow us on our socials and we're across all podcast platforms. So hit subscribe, guys. <laughs> <laughs>